It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. This is Tuesday's edition here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Jeff Fiegels at Giants WFAN or at Jay Fiegels if you prefer. We'll be here for the next hour to take your phone calls and talk Giants football. We're also going to talk about a bunch of draft prospects. We've got three schools up today. We'll get to our guests in just a bit. We've got uh, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and uh, who else? Pitt. Pittsburgh. Pitt, 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 Pitt. Yeah, that picket guy. Some, some quarterback I keep hearing about over the last couple of weeks. We'll be talking about those guys. Anyway, our number is 201-939-4513. Also, you can go hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And the, remember, archive of the show is available on Giants.com and all your favorite podcast platforms later on today. Mr. Fiegels, I hope you've been doing your research. We got three schools to go through today. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we're always doing research, that's for sure. we got a lot of schools we're doing research on. Pretty interesting ones today. I mean, uh, got some good players here, but, you know, it's not an Alabama or a, uh, you know, an LSU or a Georgia, but there are some good people here, and uh, certainly we'll get some good take on them from uh, the people that will be calling in for us and talking a little bit of football at the college level. It's exciting. We're getting close, Paul, very close to this uh this year's draft, and I think there's a lot of things that are moving around and guys moving up the board, down the board, as, as always. It happens this time of the year. And once again, I told you about the quarterbacks back in way long ago. They're creeping up, and we'll talk about one of them today. Yeah, that's for sure, but we will get to Pitt later on. Uh, I believe uh, that will be our last guest of the afternoon. We will welcome in Iowa State radio analyst Ryan Harklow, who was a former player as well. And it's always nice when we get somebody who's had experience on the gridiron besides being in the booth around these players. Ryan, Paul Dottino, and Jeff Fiegels with you on Big Blue Kickoff live here in New Jersey. We appreciate your time. Hope everything's well. Absolutely. It's great to be with you guys today. Thank you. Well, thanks for being with us, Ryan. And, and you know, I think... I'm going to dive a little deeper before I get to the obvious one because I'm going to let Jeff get to the obvious pick. I want to ask you about a guy who intrigues me very much, and, and, and I want to spend a little time on him because when I look at uh, – um, wait a minute. What did I do here? I reversed my notes. Well, Great. That happens sometimes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's called age. Three letters. A-G-E. Go ahead, Jeff. You start us off. You start us off, Jeff. I, refer- uh, I brought the wrong notepad. I got oh, all that's my okay. players on the other notepad. All right. Well, I know th- I know that Iowa State has some prospects, um, quite a few of them, actually. But I think the, the one that everybody knows about a little bit is Brees Hall, the running back. Um, he's a big-time rusher 1400 yards last year 20 touchdowns one thing that i like about him after just doing my little research on him is his ability to catch the football out of the backfield which i think in the national football league today is a huge huge advantage you have as a player if you're able to do that um he's got tremendous balance um he's accustomed to running behind one of those big offensive linemen over there at iowa state give us a little bit of uh your information on Brees Hall, what he brings to the table, and how you feel he's going to fit into the National Football League. Well, Brees is a, is a really good fit for the National Football League because I think he's a three-down back. He's a lot bigger uh, than most people will, will expect him to be when they, when they get him or if they do get a chance to draft him. And he makes it look easy. So when you watch Brees Hall play, when he's running, you think he's slow playing and, and, and really being patient. They talk about his patience. Well, it's just the way he looks when he runs. When he gets out in the open field, there's not many people that can stay on, on, on pace with him. You know, he, he gets up over 20 mile an hour when he's running, and he, he's flying. He just makes it look really easy. But you're right. And while he rushed for 20 or for 24 consecutive games, he had a rushing touchdown. So that tells you his balance as a runner. But the secret, I think, to the NFL, like you talked about, is he can fit in a lot of different schemes because of his receiving ability. And there's a lot of highlights for him throughout the year. He's making one-handed catches out of the backfield and making something happen out in space. So – Again, I think what's the most intriguing to me with, with Brees in the NFL is his speed mm-hmm. and his ability out of the backfield to catch the ball and make things happen, but yet he's so powerful and big that 
he can he can play that entire year and do so many things for the offense. So again, I, I think someone's going to be extremely lucky when they get him on their staff someday. Paul, let me just follow up just one other question. Yeah. The other thing, too, why it's just scouting him, I, I realize that um, one of the statistics that I see here, this is put out by Pro Football Focus, um, he had 15, or excuse me, 22 carries of 15 yards or more, which tells you a little bit about his vision and also tells his, a little bit about his big playability. But I'm just wondering, you know, that speed that you had mentioned um, on some of those big plays, were they up the middle? Were they outside runs? Give me a little bit on those because those are big plays, 22 of those, which ranked him in these rankings, uh, tw- you know, seventh in the in the league or in the college football, as you would say. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time they're actually between the tackles. And when you look at Iowa State's offense and RPO, but we our quarterback uh, did not, Brock Purdy, did not keep the ball a ton this last year. They, they knew where the ball was going many mm-hmm. times. And when we were catching him, it was a lot of RPO stuff right off tackle. And once he bounces to the outside, it is, it's game over. You know? And I think that that's the thing that, that people didn't really understand is his top-end speed, is once he gets up to that middle at the linebacker level and he bounces the out, gets to the outside, he's gone. And I think that's the thing that's so exciting about him. He has the home run ability, but yet when you rush for a rushing touchdown for 20 games straight, 24 games straight, that's what is intriguing as well. You still have the power there to get you in the end zone if you're on the five-yard line, three-yard line, but he hits that home run ability when you're 80 yards away. He can get you a touchdown, and I think that's the thing that's so exciting about Brees Hall. Ryan Harklow, uh, the uh, Iowa State uh, radio analyst, joining us on today's program. Ryan, I finally got through my notes here, and I know why I was so perplexed, because the two guys I wanted to ask you about, and one of them doesn't get a lot of ink, the other one does. There's Kolar and there's Allen, the two tight ends. Allen's got a very intriguing story for me because I, when I did research on him, and I know he's not going to be a top pick. He's going to be a third-day pick. But he was hit by a car, had to have all kinds of procedures, I guess, to stitch up his back, had a foot injury. But the guy is just one of those blood-and-guts football players who's tough as nails. He's a blocker. You root for a guy like this because he's had to overcome so much. I wonder if you could just address his story for a moment before you go to Kolar, who I really believe has a chance to be a much higher pick, of course, and could even interest the Giants. Yeah, yeah, I think they both should interest the Giants. I think Chase did get you know, pushed to the side a little bit when you look at like the headlines with, with Charlie on your team. If Chase is at any other school, he's the headline wherever they're at. He's probably the all Big 12, all Big 10, all ACC, whatever conference, you name it. He's the one that people are talking about because of the ability to block and to do the dirty work. And that's what was really neat about, about Chase. His dad actually was is a former coach at Iowa State. He actually was a coach at I at one time, the head football coach at I, a great coach, Terry Allen. And so he's a coach's kid. He understands the game extremely well. But the greatest thing about Chase, he was willing to take the back seat and do the dirty work and do the blocking and, and sometimes play that H-back role where we put him in the backfield as a fullback a little bit. And he was willing to give up a lot of that glory to, to do what was best. And I think that's the thing that's telling about Chase Allen. And he, he will make an NFL roster because of his ability to be so versatile on an offense, whether it's blocking or receiving. Um, I'm going to go to the defense real quickly. And now well, I have well, – Jeff, Jeff, don't yeah. let him cut off on Kolar. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> He's there was a higher-priced uh, oh. tight end prospect okay. who I know the Giants will be thinking about. Okay, my pad, Brian. That's all right. I, you sorry flipped sorry you flipped about that. Well, that. Look, I fumbled at the beginning of the program, so it's okay. Oh, so now we're even. <laughs> we're I see. Even. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go, go That's ahead, how Ryan. we do it here, Ryan. We, we play games. So it's one-to-one, <laughs> and so now you're up. <laughs> sorry about that. So, when you, yeah, you look at – so if we, we jump to Charlie, this is something that – he, rightfully so, he he is the the you know the blue chipper coming at, as tight ends out of Iowa State. I don't think it's a it's a, a mistake that you see that Brees is having so much success at the same time Charlie is. You guys obviously have a very dynamic running back in New York, and when you put it when you put a tight end like Charlie on the end of your line of scrimmage, and then you have the ability out of the backfield like you guys currently do in New York, that just completely opens that up for your team because. Now your linebackers and safeties, are they, they got to make a decision. Where do you go? Where do you help? And you're going to get a mismatch. The linebacker is going to have to pick, you know, or the defensive scheme is going to have to pick. Do you take and try to lock the tight end down? If you put nickel in, do you, okay, are you going to set a safety up on top of that tight end? And who's, then who do you take the running back with? And I think that's where, if you watch film on Iowa State throughout the year, 
teams really struggled with that. They had to kind of pick their poison. And I think that's where it matches up with you guys, with the New York Giants, is you do have a dynamic running back coming out of the backfield. That Honestly, one of my favorite players to watch play the game. But you put a tight end like Charlie up top that's a 6'7 guy that has great hands like that, I tell you what, in, in the passing game, it creates havoc because on a, on a defense, it's so much pressure on the defensive backfield to pick. Am I going to put a linebacker on this guy, on Charlie, the 6'7", and he'll just body you up and you, you can't really do anything about it? Or you bring the safety and nickel guy up on him, well, then you got linebackers going to Saquon in the backfield. So I think someone like him would create a lot of offense for your team just because of the mis- mismatch problems you're going to see with linebackers and that nickel back if they do come in the game. Right, i got to follow up on Kolar because we know about his receiving skills. They stand out on tape. You can't miss them. You just talked about them. Do you also yep. believe, though, that he can do enough blocking to also play some in-line if necessary? And do you see him perhaps having H-back in his future as well so that he could be a tight end that could play three different positions in somebody's offense? The good news is at Iowa State, you're kind of asked to do that anyway. So he will know all those positions. So, yes, I believe that he can be that blocker up front, the traditional tight end on the line of scrimmage. But, again, when you look at guys like Dylan Sainer, who was a tight end that went to the Saints last year, um, and then you saw what Chase did at that H-back role, comes back into the fullback position as well. All three of those tight ends have been trained and developed in all those positions. So they all can kind of – they were interchangeable. And so, yeah, I think that he's – not only can he do it, he has done it. And I think that's what's going to intrigue the NFL is, he, again, that versatility he can play on the field, not only just on the line of scrimmage. You can spread him out. At goal line is where we had a lot of success. You can uh, create those uh, mismatches on the outside at the receiving side, but also bump him in, and he's a 6'7", 260, 70-pounder that can you know, be very physical up front when he needs to be. So that, that's what's intriguing about Charlie. I, I'm surprised he's actually as low or being projected as low as he is because how valuable he will be, he will be in the NFL. Well, I guess we got to talk a little bit about Brock Purdy because if we're going to stay on the offense, I was going to switch over to the defense. Go, but, no, I, go ahead, but I think we actually should talk a little <laughs> bit about the quarterback, which is a very important position these days. And, um, you know, it's solid quarterback here, um, never really built impressive numbers, if you will. Um, but I think that, you know, when you look at his athleticism, he can run uh, when he needs to. Give me a little bit of information on Brock and how you see kind of him maybe fitting in the NFL too, Ryan. So, so Brock is a—he's going to be—he'll get into a system, I believe, and have success. I don't—he's not obviously going to come in and be the, the day one starter. He won't have sure. that pressure. He's going to remind me of like a Sage Rosenfels that came out of Iowa State. Not quite the size, but when you got Sage into a system and program, he was valuable in the locker room. He could understand the offense and he could execute it at a high level. And, and having that guy backing up your starter initially—that that is very—that's uh, very reassuring. And, and Brock. His accuracy is what I think intrigues the NFL. Is he's an extremely accurate thrower, and I know they're going to work on some of his arm strength stuff. You hear that, like when you're kind of watching online, what they're concerned about. But I've actually talked to Sage, who's thrown with with Brock a little bit, and it sounds like you know he does have that arm to get the ball down the field. And I, again, it's not it's not the accuracy thing that's ever been challenged about Brock. It's the arm strength. And again, I think once you get him into a program and you teach him the offense, uh, he could be a long term player in the NFL. And what that develops into, whether it's a starter or a backup, I don't know that. But he will be valuable in a locker room as a good player to back up and learn that system. You see, Jeff, I'm surprised you even were going to attempt to try defense because the way you butcher names. No, 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 don't you dare. Don't you dare, Paul. You know it? I have, I have worked on this You one. know it? That's why I was kind of excited, and I jumped away from Ryan okay. when, when he was going to, to Polar. Right. Do it. Do so, it. So, Ryan, just a little heads up. I, I, am, I'm, I, am, I should have my own butcher shop with these names. I mean, it's absolutely – I butcher them to death. But here's one. I'm not even going to try the first name. Okay, you know where I'm going. Is it Iwazarike? Did I get – am Any? I close? Huh? You're very close. Any Iwazarike. Any okay. Awazurike, yep. Defensive Any. tackle, defensive end, a little bit of everything. Yep. <laughs> well, I from just studying him a little bit, yeah, he looks like he plays from he plays around everywhere. Um, again, and as you know, playing in the National Football League, the more you can do, the better off you are. So I think this is you know a good thing for him that he'd be able to come into a uh, you know a camp and and be able to mix it up where he wants. Obviously, he's I think his best at his edge at the edge rushing position. He had nine sacks in 2021, um, and a big dude, six five and a half, three nineteen. 
Um, does he play at that weight? Um, is that why he's able to move, obviously, inside? But give me where you think he'll project to um, in the NFL. So so I was a defensive tackle in my past. So I've always kind of really stayed close to this, actually. Mm-hmm. Played for Jacksonville. So I was in the NFL for just a short for a cup of coffee. <laughs> but when you learned, when you got there, you had to be very versatile. You you might come into a game situation, be an end. You might be a defensive tackle. You may you don't know where you're going to be throughout that game just because of roster numbers and, and what they need from you. And any Rosarike, I think, is going to be the steal of the draft coming out of Iowa State where it's under the radar, and someone's going to get that steal. This kid is 6'6", and, you know, and he's a comfortable, I, I call it comfortable 300-plus pounds. Like, he, he moves extremely well. And I think if people want to watch film, everyone's talking about Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa, the center that's going to project for the first round or early second. If you want to see how he performs against that type of talent, watch the Iowa State game. And what Iowa State did is they moved him into the nose spot because we do run a three-man front and lined him up over the top of Tyler the entire day. And I think that film will speak for itself. Wow. Is he can play really physical inside and shut that run game down. But if you need him on third and long, we, it's not a player you take off the field. You actually move him to the outside and let him rush the, rush the passer. So, Again, Charlie and, and, and Any are probably the two guys that Iowa State that I'm just surprised aren't getting more attention further up the draft boards because they're so versatile. Mm-hmm. And I, I, they, These guys in this talent level don't exist throughout the nation. These are really good football players that are going to play a long time in the NFL. Ryan, I'm glad that Jeff mentioned him to you because I think he's the sleeper third-day defensive tackle in this draft for me. My only question is this. They've got him listed at 315. To come up to the NFL level and to be able to handle that nose tackle spot, part of me says he's going to have to put on 10 to 15 more pounds of power, bulk, and muscle to be able to handle things on first and second down. Or, as you say, he's also got some pass rush ability. Maybe they're better off moving him around, flopping him around, and keeping him at the lower weight. What would you do if you were to advise him in the NFL? Well, do whatever the team wants you to do, number one. <laughs> good answer, good answer, Ryan. <laughs> but, but after that, after your bosses tell you what to do, I, I think where he's his best is, is probably inside. You know, I think he could, average, he could probably pick up another 20 or 30 pounds really easy. He has the frame to do it. He's not overweight. He doesn't have the big belly at all. He could put more, put more on. I think, and he's, they've done a really nice job in the strength and conditioning program here. But, again, they've, they've purposely had him at that 300, 310, 315, because they did want to dual purpose him inside, outside. But if that NFL team gets him at the three-man front, he is perfect for a team that does run like a three-man front because he can go work that nose a little bit. And mm-hmm. also that five-tech right on top of that tackle, you've got to hold an edge and you've got to be physical right there in that three-man front. I think he'd be perfect in a three-man front in the, in the NFL because at that defensive end spot, because back to that versatility, he can rush the passer, which you've got to be able to do in the NFL – but he can also hold an edge really well. And he showed that, like I said, in the Iowa game early on at the no spot against one of the best, probably the best center in the draft. So, again, he's, I, I think he can do either. And I think the NFL teams will learn that really quickly once they get into camp. That is Ryan Harklow, the Iowa State radio analyst, uh, played ball in the NFL and also, of course, with Iowa State. Ryan, we are sorry for the early fumbles. We are glad we cleaned it up. <laughs> We finally got this offense moving and rolling. We thank you so much for your time. Wish you the best all the way down the road. Thank you, Ryan. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. So, uh, Scott Peterson, uh, who is the radio analyst for Northern Iowa, is actually calling my cell phone, John. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Scott, we got to get you on the studio line. Did they give you the studio line? That's it. Ring it up. And I'll just get back to our listeners and tell our listeners that uh, that is Scott Peterson who called me on the cell phone instead instead of our studio line. Well, there was no there was no other way to handle that. Boy, <laughs> this first twenty minutes of the show has been quite an adventure. It really listening has. to this in here. This it is really why has. I don't like to listen to these shows. I'm sitting here melting through my skin as you guys try <laughs> to pull up the first twenty minutes of the show. Holy cow! He was given specific well, instructions. He's ready to go. Let's rock and roll. Okay, there Come we on. go. Scott, how are you? 
Hey, I'm doing well. How's it going out there? Oh, we're doing all right. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was clear the studio line, but hey, thank you for getting into us. We appreciate it. Scott Peterson is the Northern Iowa radio analyst, and uh, they've got a very interesting offensive lineman to talk about. Jeff, I'm sure you've already done some research on Penning, so I'll let you start off. Oh, thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, so you, heard, you got a guy here. You know, I think the biggest thing for him is – Pass protection with Trevor Penning. I, I'm looking at on film, kind of doing some research on him, um, and also the level of competition a little bit, you know. But to me, here's a guy that I think is obviously going to be ranked up there, possibly in the first round, as we know. And, um, you know, he's just a big dude, 6'7", 321 pounds. Tell me a little bit about him. Uh, tell me some of the unique characteristics of Trevor Penning that a lot of people may not know of, and uh, give us your little take on him. Well, I tell you, he, he's an outstanding athlete, and it's not you know often that uh, when you're watching a ball game, you, you look at that offensive line. But he stood out; he really did. It was it was quite impressive some of the things he did, and you know, and like you said, it's not playing Alabama and Georgia week in and week out that type of thing. But it's still pretty good competition here at the FCS level, and he really did a nice job. And and uh, he was uh, I remember we were playing Sacramento State early in the year. And he hadn't heard much about Trevor. He hadn't been uh, getting much buzz yet. But he pulled on a play, and he absolutely took out two guys. And just the running back had no problem getting to the end zone. And at that point, I started watching him more often. And uh, he was a very impressive dude. And he's got an attitude, too, now. He, he's not the nicest guy you're going to meet. <laughs> well, that's the thing that, that I want to ask you about, Scott, because his motor is unquestioned. His nastiness is unquestioned. There's even a propensity to not only play through the whistle but after the whistle. This, this guy is like an angry pit bull who just can't wait to get to that piece of meat. And, and I wonder if sometimes that doesn't suffer in technique-wise because, you know, your, your emotions can get the best of you at times. Well, it does. And he'll need more technique. work, no question about it, and he'll get that. But uh, I think, you know, any team that is willing to take a chance on him, I think they're going to be pleased with what they get. He, he brings a mentality that his quarterback's not going to be taken down by his guy. I mean, I've seen him take guys to the ground. I've seen him push them past the quarterback and past the pocket, keep the feet driving. And, and as he said, and that's, you know, that's out there. That's on film. He's had some uh, times where I think he, maybe he just couldn't hear that whistle. You know what I mean? He just was like, maybe the play really isn't over yet. So the guy was uh, – you know, at times I would be mad at him because I go, that's not what your team needed at that point. But I definitely think that's something that uh, they can get under control at that next level. What was uh, what was the reason why he, coming out of high school, didn't go to, you know, a big, big-time program, say, on Alabama, U.S., something like that? Was there was it his, well, he was 6'7", I would imagine he was a pretty big boy in high school. What were some of the downsides uh, that happened with him coming out of high school? Well, just, you know, that level of competition up there, uh, coming out of a little uh, Catholic high school out of Mason City. He lives in Clear Lake and made the, I think his parents wanted to mellow him out a little bit, so they sent him to the Catholic school over there for <laughs> extra training. But, <laughs> that, uh, you know, be that as may, he came in and he was a, a real prospect. I mean, a real, you know, just a developmental prospect because of his size. He didn't weigh 300 pounds coming out. He was about a 240, 250-pounder coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of demand for those guys. But uh, okay. I knew that, that our coach that recruited him, Nick Danielson, was real high on him, liked his feet, liked his tenacity, and they kept working with him. And he got in here, got into our weight program, and they do a good job of putting on good weight on those guys. And this guy, the most impressive thing about him when I'd see him He'd come in, you know, we had him as our player of the game a few times on uh, on a radio show, and, and he'd come in and have his, his shoulder pads off, but you look at that lower body, his hips, his thighs, and everything, it's just like no wonder the guy can generate so much power. It's just an impressive physical specimen right now. When he projects to the NFL level, a couple of questions. First of all, where do you think his best spot is going to be? I I. I predominantly think he's a right tackle some people think he might be better off moving inside and then what do you think the most frequent questions are that are asked about him when the NFL scouts come around well I I, I think he could play either position I, you know I really do he's a smart kid uh, you know he does a nice job and, and uh, will will be able to, to handle what the NFL is all about I think I don't think he'll have any problem learning the playbook or anything but uh, it's just one of those deals where 
he maybe needs a little more work on the technique. I mean, sometimes he would he, he didn't win every battle, you know, and he went against some good players. But uh, you know, I think people that saw him at the Senior Bowl and going against that uh, top tier, the the FBS competition, saw that he didn't back down from any of those guys and, and uh, got after him pretty good. So I think that helped him out as much as anything. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure like any other athlete coming out of college, there's going to be things to learn going to the next level. But if he gets him with a good team, with a good line coach, he's going to be fine. He's very willing to learn. He's a hard worker. And he really is. He's a kid. He's a nice kid. He's scary on the field. You get him off the field, he's a real nice young man. Thank you. Well, Jeff, I'm going I'm to hop in here because there's ahead. another guy I want to ask about, mm-hmm. and he's intriguing to me. Now, follow me on this, Scott, because I wrote down a few things. Isaiah Weston, wide receiver. I wrote down speed, length, athletic. But I also wrote down raw, has some drops, and has some route concerns. Now, Jeff, let me make sure I, I got you on the same page here before we have Scott answer. 6'3 and a half, 214, had a time of 40. He ran a 439 at one time in the 40 yard dash. Okay? <laughs> this is a guy who also had an ACL and also had a foot injury. Now, I've already set you up, Scott. There's a lot to digest there. Tell me what you like. <laughs> And tell me what the questions are. Well, I think the questions are the injuries, no question about that. He only played in 26 games while he was here, you know, over his career. Uh, but, I mean, at times he was so impressive, it was it was really fun to watch. And, you know, when you look down there and you see that they weren't having a safety help over the top and he was going to get some one-on-one coverage, you were hoping that the quarterback and he were on the same page. And, and he made a lot of big catches down the field. Now, he did add some drops. I think, you know, every level, that that's going to happen. But... This is a, a kid that came out of Albertville High School up there a little north of the Twin Cities. Didn't play great competition in high school, some of the smaller schools and stuff around there. Got down here, he took the redshirt year, grew and developed, got in the weight room and all that stuff. And, and then he did, ha- unfortunately, have some of those injuries. But in talking to him, uh, he, he, you know, he knew he had to change the way he ate, the way he trained and all that stuff, and he did that. And he had a very successful uh, senior year, even though, he had some in-and-out injuries. You know, who knows? You're injury-prone, you know, that's hard to say. Uh, but, unfortunately, he didn't get as much action here as we would have liked to have seen him. But, boy, what a talent. And that kid, uh, I think the thing about him, you know, he says that he runs that 439, which surprised me. I didn't think he was that fast. It takes him a while to get going. He's kind of a long strider. Once he gets going, not many. he never got caught from behind that I can recall. But it did take him a little bit, you know, to get off the line and get going down the field a little bit. And I think that's one thing that – they may be holding him back, and you know if he does get drafted, I'm sure it's going to be in the later rounds. Now, I haven't seen any film on him yet, Scott. All I did was a little research on his background. Sure. Again, when I, when I saw that we had a skyscraper who could run sub-4-4, four, four, my eyes kind of lit up. You, you can understand. <laughs> okay, and anybody who listens to this show knows how I love skyscrapers. But you mentioned just something about getting going. He gets to the NFL, and he's going to be playing outside, and they're going to press him. And that that release is going to be an issue. How physical is he? Does he have to get stronger? Do you think he's got the ability to do that? You know, I think so. He was very impressive in the number of bench press reps he did at the combine. And, you know, you're looking at that stuff. And he's a strong young man. And, you know, the only concerns I had about him was his injuries. Uh, He's he's not afraid to go across the middle. Although, you know, he would rather catch the deep balls, the corner routes, and the go route that type of thing and, and he had was very successful at doing that while he was here at northern iowa uh, you know the only concerns may be that injury thing uh physically i think he'll be able to hold up to that uh, he wasn't afraid to take a hit you know it wasn't anything like that he wasn't shy about contact he would lower the shoulder to get an extra couple yards when it was necessary uh you know overall uh, a great kid but like i said then you look at just playing 26 games in a college career that, you know, that's not very many. So uh, that would be one thing I'm sure the scouts would be a little bit leery of. Jeff, anything else? Well, I know that, you know, a lot of times these guys that are in these types of positions, um, you know, special teams is going to be something where they're going to be asked sure. to, to do things. So, you know, it sounds to me like obviously his size will help him, his strength. You mentioned the bench press. Um, reading a little bit about him just right, real quickly, you could see that he does get off press coverage pretty good because of his physicality. So that will help him um, in the National Football League. It gets to the next level. He's going to have to, you know, a lot of those guys that come up into the NFL that didn't play a lot of special teams get indoctrinated to it 
real quickly as they come in and they realize that that's how they're going to have to make their hay in the NFL. So hopefully he can uh, he can have a, a career doing that and then also at one point in time, you know, get into that wide receiver position too. Right. No, I think, you know, a team willing to take a chance on him, I think uh, they'd be pleasantly surprised at what they're getting. He's a, a great young man, a sharp kid. Uh, like I said, he is so smooth. It's kind of deceptive. You don't really think he's going that fast just because he's so smooth when he's running those routes. So uh, he, was a, he was a real fun one to watch, one of the better ones that's come through Northern Iowa. Well, Scott uh, P- uh, Peterson from the Northern Iowa radio broadcast team, he does the cuddle analysts on their games. Uh, I'm an FCS broadcaster myself, so, you know, I have absolutely no bias against FCS <laughs> players, and I love Wonderful. to see them get drafted. <laughs> yeah, yep. oh, I enjoy it, too. It's great to see, and I tell you, we see some good ones year in and year out, no doubt about it. Those darn bison up there in Fargo, they're pretty hard to beat oh, up yeah. there. They got, they got a lot of good players, and, and they're showing it. You Man, know? they're like the Patriots of FCS, those bison. They're oh, unbelievable. They, yeah, they are, it's unbelievable what they've done up there. Scott, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Best of luck and health down the road. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Scott Peterson, Northern Iowa radio analyst. So we got two guys through. We got one more to go. Another 10 or 15 minutes or so, we'll talk to Pat Bostick, who was the pit uh, radio uh, mm-hmm. an analyst, but for the time being, let's see if we can get to our phone calls at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513 is our phone number here. Wow, a bit disjointed today, Jeff, but we finally got those two guests out of the way and, and some interesting prospects. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times people just pay attention to that first round, but there are so many guys later oh, yeah. on on day two and three. <clears throat> in this draft in particular – that are going to be very, very intriguing, and 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 I think I think Weston is is a very, very, very. Or Watson is very interesting. Well, I mean, we talk about the first round. The first round's easy, you know. I mean, yeah. you got you got thirty two of the best players, and you you know you're bound to get one of them in there that you're going to be happy with. Um, and even going into the second round, I think the second round is just you know not as easy as the first round, but it's pretty pretty simple um and then where you make your hay is starting to get the third in those middle rounds and i think that you know a lot of these schools that we're talking about today some guys you know trevor penning is obviously going to be a first round draft pick for somebody uh-huh. um, mid to late round um i think you know when we talk to uh the pittsburgh person we got you know Pickett. he's going to be a first rounder um but you know when you when you get into those middle rounds paul you know that that's where your scouting department and you know there's a lot of guys out there that just um you know, they, they get it to the next level, and they kick it in. And sometimes teams really get lucky with drafting some some of these guys. And I think that, you know, with the Giants, they're looking for value, and um, they're going to have a lot of picks this, this year. So hopefully some of these guys that we're talking about, I know that you and I both are high on tight ends. I think that the Giants want to go and get a tight end, and it is kind of nice to talk about some of these other tight ends that really are not the top, top ones that maybe the Giants can find in that fifth-round, fourth-round area. Um, who knows? So we'll see what happens. Well, here's what's good, and I mentioned this on the program yesterday when you were not on, Jeff. It's clear to me that the depth at the positions in this particular draft, unlike many years in the past, really helps the Giants out. Because you're talking about sure. offensive line, you're talking about tight end, you're talking about wide receiver, running back. There are a bunch of positions where you're going to get make it 53-man roster players come the third, fourth, fifth rounds of this draft. Mm-hmm. And, and the Giants are going to find contributors in, in those rounds. And this is a good draft to have nine draft picks. Yeah, and I think that you know one thing about if you're a player coming into the New York Giants now um, – I got to feel pretty good about my chances of competing and getting a job, you know, because when mm-hmm. you look at this roster and how, how they're, you know, progressing through it and making additions and subtractions, any of these people that are going to come in here, they're going to have a chance to compete um, because, you know, it's not like these guys are getting drafted by the St. Louis, or excuse me, I just said St. Louis, the Los Angeles um, Rams, you know, or the world champions. So these, this team here is, is looking for people to win jobs. And I think it's, if I'm a free agent, even a street free agent, I, I got to be excited about one getting a job, having a chance to come in and compete, but knowing that I'm coming to a roster where I've got a chance, and that means a lot to some of these guys. When, when the free agent guys, Paul, is that these guys are picking teams because you know what happens right after the draft is over. It's a free free agent frenzy. Mm-hmm. All these teams are going after all these guys that didn't get drafted, um, and if I'm and I can tell you that happened to me 
when I was coming out of college, I didn't get drafted. And there was two teams, and I had to look at both teams and go, well, listen, at the time, Atlanta wanted me to sign with them, but they had a punter there that was, had just gone to the Pro Bowl the year before. So I'm like, well, okay, well, what am I going to do there? I mean, obviously, this guy's pretty darn good. And then the Patriots were the other one where Rich Camarillo was there. He was, he was kind of getting long in the tooth, and that's why I went there. I had a chance to maybe make it there over Atlanta. So that's what a lot of these guys will be looking at, at the rosters that they're going to go compete at. And I think the Giants um, are a good landing place for a lot of these free agents if they have a choice. Well, in short, guys like Weston out of Northern Iowa, guys like Allen out of uh, Iowa State, mm-hmm. these are guys who are not going to get many headlines. Not much is going to be written yeah. about them. They'll be late third-day picks, or maybe, who knows, maybe they drop out and are undrafted rookie free agents, but they will have a good shot at making a 53-man. Folks, Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits also include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets. For more information, you can also get uh, an experience to a premier hospitality suite watching Giants games and world-class concerts coming up in 2022. Elton John's coming by. Uh, at some point, by the way, uh, this summer for his uh, farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. You can be a giant sweet partner. Limited full season locations are available. Or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. 201-939-4513 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. John, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was going to just ask you guys what you thought of the Saints-Eagles trade that broke yesterday after our show was over. So we didn't have a chance to talk about it yesterday. So I thought maybe that might be a good topic here before we get to pit. Well, you know what? It's funny because you and I talked the other day, um, and I had mentioned that the Saints at 18 uh, were reported by a lot of people around the league to be looking to move up. Uh, and then all of a sudden they make this deal with Philadelphia. Uh, they get a one next year. They get a three, I think, this year as part of that deal. Philly as part does. of the package. Yeah, yeah Philly yeah. gets as part of the package. Um, interesting. I'm not sure how to process it yet because it's not like they moved a whole lot. They got an extra pick, but they didn't move up like 10 spots. And if the Saints were really interested in moving up to get a quarterback, if they were, yeah, to me, this tells me that they're not looking for they're a not. quarterback. And, and we thought, when we discussed this off the air the other day, John, and Jeff, I know, I know you weren't part of this conversation, mm, that's all right. was that maybe they're going up to get an offensive lineman. Offensive tackle to replace Teron Armstead. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but this trade, all it does is give them extra capital right now. Oh, it does put them ahead of the Chargers who are in the offensive tackle business. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't jump them up significantly no. unless they got something else planned. Well, unless which they, they wanna, could, unless they want to package both of these picks together to move up. Well, let me ask you this: They might go up to get a court, uh, receiver. Nah, do they have to move up though, Jeff? There's so many of them. Yeah, ton of receivers. The one they could probably just take receivers. With that, I would think. Yeah. I don't know that they need to do that. Okay, I was so, just saying that because I I had read that they were in the market. Oh for no, they are. Receiver, oh no, yeah. absolutely, Jeff. I I, yeah. I think they definitely are. Yeah. And, they may not have and, to move and, up. You're right. And by the way, I think the Chargers are also in the receiver market too. So I think that's another team that they're out of if they want to go there. Yeah. So See. Paul had a glint in his eye. What was the question you're going to ask me? Well, no, I don't think Penning is that high. I think he's a little lower in the first round. But mm-hmm. if they really wanted a tackle, they could take him there. Oh, he might not even make it there. Tony Pauline reported the other day that he said he's not getting past Baltimore. Did he really? Little high, I think, with a guy who needs some refinement. Though, let me tell you, you want to pick a player-team match for skill set matching player ability, the way Baltimore runs the ball, that's right up Trevor Penning's alley. He he is a steel cage mauler, there's no question. I I agree with that. I, I, I think the pick in terms of value is probably a little high, but... I could see it. Now, this is actually less attractive, I imagine, to me, and I imagine Jeff, too, now, as a potential Giants trade-down target because I want my first-round pick next year the way the Eagles got theirs mm-hmm. because they're trying to, I know. You, know you guys have both been on that. Well, I know, and I think that's why, that's why the Eagles did it, right? They want to have mm-hmm. they want to spread their mm-hmm. picks out a little bit, get their two ones next year well, in case Jalen Hurts fails. They know Jalen Hurts is going to fail. He's not that good, man. He's not I, that good. I, I he's a running back playing quarterback. I understand, but you know, he's in, it's a very similar situation to Daniel Jones, Paul. 
I don't think so. I think Daniel Jones is going to be okay. Well, Jalen Hurts won a lot more games than Daniel Jones. I know has. he did. I know he did. But Hurts but is the, a running back. But the situations are very similar. We're, we're, the, yeah. we're not well, talking yeah. about in the players. In terms of, there's terms. a question mark. Yeah. There's a Both question of mark. Both yes. of them. And, so, and, the, and the Eagles went out and did what I think John and I are wanting the Giants to do. Yes. That's, Agreed. And, so, That's yeah. true. Um, so now my question for you guys is, and maybe it's more attractive for Paul, I think it's less attractive than me and Jeff. Jeff, what would you think about moving down from five or seven for, what is it, 16 and 18 right. they have now? Right. Would that interest either of you gentlemen? They have 15 and 18. 16 um, and 18, right? Or is it 15 now? I thought it was, it's 16, I thought it was 18, 16 and 18. Right? I'm reading here, it says, well, this okay. could be, I don't know. It says either 15 way, and 18. It's about 18, the same. 15 it's from the, the Dolphins, same, 18 from the Saints. It's in the same vicinity. Yes. They didn't move a whole lot. Correct. Um. From five, well, I'm certainly not going to move out of the five position unless it's you know like it's it's a king's ransom like we've always talked about. Well, so, two ones is a king ransom. Then, <laughs> well, okay, then yes, I would do that. No, no, <laughs> I didn't Jeff, know I'm you asking you. Two you of those. No, 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 no. My my point is that you're getting that you're getting sixteen and eighteen. Do you want those two picks so badly that you'll move out? I'm sorry, sixteen and nineteen. It's sixteen and nineteen. Oh wow, so this is an old article. Okay, so sixteen and nineteen, and I'm getting. You're, you're okay. getting, let's say you're getting 16 and 19 and you're getting their second round pick next year. Their second round next? No, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm not, I'm not giving you three ones. No, but I'm still not doing it. Okay. Well, that's okay. You know, you know I'm not doing it. I, I don't want to go all that. The I don't want to go that way, far, John. The I only don't. way I see any logic at all for the Giants to make a move. Not is, even for the seventh pick. No. If you get your offensive tackle at five. The only way I'm trading the seven is if I don't have conviction in that player at seven. And hold on, I'm asking and, you well, what you would do. So screw these hypotheticals. Well, I don't, but but do I have conviction? I think I think I can have conviction about seven players. So I'm taking the well, five and the well, seven. I'm, I'm not making you. a trade. Okay, so okay, so let, let's say which we've already discussed. Okay, I'm not I doing that. Mm-hmm. But I've I I have said I see the logic, even though I wouldn't do it. I see the logic in making a move to get a one next year. I agree with you and Jeff mm-hmm. that there is a logical path there to protect yourself in case Daniel Jones winds up not panning out, which I think is is unlikely, but he could always get hurt because he has an injury history. And trust me, if Daniel Jones gets hurt this year and misses a chunk of games, that's as bad as him not playing well because it won't give you the answer you need. So you're going to have to do something about it. So I'll give you the logic and the flexibility of I would consider well, I have a question. making a deal for a one next year. I, I will ask you one final question, and then I will call our guest from Pittsburgh. Yeah, we got to get we got to yep, get. Him I'm going to get. Yep, him. go ahead. I, so you you guys discuss. You get to seven. You're wiped out. Of, you're wiped out at defensive end, and Sauce Gardner's gone. You got your offensive tackle at five. All right. So maybe Kyle Hamilton's your best player left? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I'm taking him. Would He's you, number seven you know what, for me. Well, would you rather have Kyle Hamilton at seven, or would you rather have Zion Johnson and, let's say, one of the tier two well, cornerbacks? Maybe the or, center. Or, 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 or Linderbaum, or mm-hmm. you can get maybe the best linebacker in the draft. Well, see, for me, I... I I would go back to your philosophy, and I'd rather have the one next year than make the deal. Well, I'm not down. giving you that option. I'm giving well, you the I'm option. Not, then I'm not trading. So you would rather have Hamilton than have the best guard in the class and the best center in the class. I, I'm giving you Zion and Linderbaum. I don't. I don't think those guys will be there. I don't think. You I think don't, both I think, those guys are gone. It's uh, no. I think. No I think way. some somebody is going to take Linderbaum earlier than that. I don't think they should, but they will. <laughs> I think Zion could be there in the early second round for the Giants. Zion's not making it to round two, dude. I hope so. I don't know that he will, well, but I hope, hope so. It ain't happening. So, well, I'm, you know I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my hypothetical option, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, and you I get, told you I'm not doing it. So and you can disagree. So, you don't have to no, agree. But, no, but you're saying those guys aren't going to be there. I'm telling you, you're getting Zion on Linderbaum with those two picks, or you're getting Devin Lloyd and one of those two guys with those two picks. You would rather have Kyle Hamilton than both those players. Can you throw me something else? Yes, I'm. I'm giving you a second round pick too. Okay, I didn't know that. If you still yes. were including that, that okay. was my okay. original thing. I said the okay. two ones, and then you're getting a two next year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just know if you yes. if if you still continue to give me that second rounder, yes. then I'm I'm probably going to go down and get those two guys, and my, and pick up a second rounder for next year. Yeah, I could I could see some logic in that. I don't know if I would do it, but I could see some logic in doing it. This I'm is this is this is what is so fun and funny about the 
doing I, this. I, I think it's nothing but a headache. I, 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 I don't well, like Well, come on, Paul. It's fun to talk about this stuff. Is it? And, uh, yeah. I mean, you have stock in Excedrin? <laughs> There you did it again. You brought the. the <laughs> I didn't say it, John. I did not say it. Oh, Paul said it. what is what is the generic label for that? Just headache Just medicine. Just aspirin, aspirin. Headache is that medicine. what you want me to do? All right. Headache All right, medicine. All right, anyway. We, we got to get to Pat Bostick in a moment or two here, our, our uh, pit radio analyst. Uh, but I will tell you, Jeff, uh, the bottom line is this. As we continue to, to go through our, our, our people, in fact, tomorrow we'll also have some more draft prospects, uh, 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 analysts as well. Uh, we're just finding out that this is going to be a, a really, really fertile draft. There's a yeah. lot of great players. There really is. And there's a lot of depth, like you said. And there's just, you know, there's a lot of value in moving throughout the, the whole draft here. Real quickly before we get to our, our guest, and I know we're not going to have a lot of time. Well, he's up back. now. He's up okay, now. We can go mind. right to it. Just him. give me a couple seconds after the after this. I want to talk a little bit about the offseason program as a player's perspective. Okay. Pat so. Bostic, uh, hey, Pat. the Pitt Panthers radio analyst, is joining us on the phone this morning. Pat, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, there's no way we can have a conversation with you without talking about Pickett, the quarterback who has garnered so many headlines – and I think the one thing that I want to ask you before we get to his actual skill set is how surprising is it to you that there has been a cavernous perspective on him? Some people who swear, oh, my God, there's going to be a team like the Steelers or someone else that's going to have to trade up high in the draft to go get him. And then other people say, ah, you know what? I don't think there's a first-round quarterback in terms of real value and skill set in this entire draft, they're all second-rounders or below. I mean, it is like the Grand Canyon in terms of opinions on him and, of course, a couple of the other QBs. But speak to me, if you can, about the various opinions on Pickett and why it, it is so different depending upon who you talk to. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first of all, you know, there, there isn't a clear-cut you know number one guy. There isn't a Trevor Lawrence type of guy that's going to – you know, raised everybody with him, you know, kind of the high tide lifting all boats, just the relativity of having that, you know, bona fide number one. You know that he's going to be off the board. So there's, you know, who's the next quarterback? Now it's who's going to be number one. And um, they're likely not to be in the top, you know, five picks. So I think, you know, for Kenny specifically, you know, he had obviously a terrific senior season, um, just, just completely burst onto the scene. He'd been solid before that. He played a lot of football. I think, you know, people are prone to, you know, Joe Burrow's another one where a guy has one, you know, maybe two years of, of really elite level play, but has played a long time before that. People wonder, well, why didn't, if he wasn't good enough to leave early, how good could he be now? Um, and I think Kenny suffers a little bit from that. And then there's some of the measurable stuff that, you know, Kenny Kenny's not going to throw it the farthest or the, you know, with the most velocity or run the fastest. Or certainly, you know, the hand size became a, a something to talk about. Um, you know, but the bottom line for him is, I think the proof's on tape um, last year, and he's played the position, in my opinion, as much like a pro, uh, more like a pro rather than anybody else in this class. And um, you know, in my opinion, that makes him a pretty safe bet. Um, when you look at the quarterback position, I mean, you really can sit there and try to break down these guys the most you can, and, and pull out the pros and the cons for some of these. Um, when you look at Kenny Pickett, to me. Uh, he's got the size, six foot three, two twenty. Obviously, you know he had this one year where he, his senior year came out and just was absolutely phenomenal, which is now he's it's his fruits of his labor, being able to say that he's going to be a first round draft pick possibly. Um, when you get to the next level, you got to look at some of these players and say, okay, are they coachable? Are they going to be able to work on their techniques? Are they going to be able to work on some of the things that they did at college? Um, okay, and they're going to have to do it much better. Is Kenny Pickett a guy that can come in there and maybe sit behind somebody for a year and learn and then turn it on to be that that high-level quarterback, do you think? I do. I think his maturity, um, what he's been through his career, it hasn't, al it hasn't always been in the sunshine and rainbows for him. You know, There's been some tough moments where he's uh, not played well throughout his career, and he played from an early, from, from almost day one. Um, and so I think... You know, he is mature. I think the decision he made last year to, you know, forego, obviously it looks great now. He was projected to be a fourth or fifth round pick probably at the high end. 
and now he's you know projected as a first rounder. But it takes maturity and and you know I think a little bit of vulnerability to, to say you know what I do need to improve. And he made some very you know market improvement in areas that you know he was deficient in his footwork, his pocket presence, uh, throwing the ball down the field, all things that he proved on tremendously. So. I think Kenny has the maturation. He's played in multiple systems. He had three, almost four offensive coordinators during his career. Um, so, again, he, he's been through that ringer, and I think it makes him prepared for almost any situation, including uh, coming in and sitting behind a veteran for a year or two. Pat, we had a draft guru uh, on the program uh, the other day, and one of the things that, that he said, the biggest thing, actually, that he said he would like to see in Pickett to race his stock in the NFL. He said he's a three-and-a-half quarter quarterback. That in crunch time when the pressure's on late in the fourth quarter, his complaint was that he wasn't always able to finish the job and to pull things out of the fire as he wanted to see them. Now, is that a justifiable criticism? And if not, or do you think there's something else that NFL teams are going to have to be convinced of to make that selection? Um, yeah, I would disagree with that statement. And I'm not just being a homer here. I could probably point to, you know, 10 games in his career where he's thrown game winners, including Carolina this year in overtime in the rain. Now, there have been times in the third quarter where he's come out slow, but he's found a way to finish it through a touchdown against Virginia to seal the game this year. Um, was huge against Clemson throughout the game, got out to a lead. Um, so his fourth quarter capabilities, in my opinion, are, are one of his strong suits. I think, okay. you know, for for Kenny, um, you know, I think that for him, you know, it's – I think for my money the, the, the challenge is going to be they, they went a lot of up-tempo this year, and you see that a lot in college football. Uh, and, and it's, you know, you guys know this following the game as closely as you do with the Giants and they play in the game. It's, it's the ability to process information and be, that, be that, that leader on offense. I think last year they simplified things the last couple years, allowed him to play fast and confident. I think in the NFL, your pre-snap responsibilities as a quarterback, your ability to get out of bad plays into good plays, check runs, check protections, all the things that you have to be able to handle as a as a quarterback at that level, um, you know, especially with 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 uh, the talent on the other side of the ball. It's being able to do that and continue to play as fast. He does not have the strongest arm to be able to be late and still get the ball there. He's got to be on time. He's got to be anticipate, which is something he does very well. But if that if in your mind it hasn't happened yet, your body's not going to be able to follow. And that's, that's a challenge for any player. And I think it's you know, for a quarterback it's even more so because so much is expected of you. Um, Giants, or Paul and I are, are high on maybe the Giants going after a tight end uh, this year. And I look at Lucas Kroll as a big big target, six foot six, 255, a little light. But um, talk to me a little bit about Lucas, what he brings to the table, his athleticism I, and his route running. Um, I know that Kenny Pickett would like to throw him the ball. And give me a little bit of insight on him. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that transferred in from Florida, got hurt, unfortunately, in 2020, early in the season. They had a lot of things planned for him. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he struggled with some consistency early in his career, but really came through in big moments and made big plays. He's rangy, 6'6", plays bigger than that, very athletic. I think he ran a 4'6", um, you know, which is, you know, speedy for that size. You know, he's, he's um, the modern-day tight end that can flex out, that can work the middle of the field. You can split him out one-on-one with a, with a corner. Uh, he's going to be able to, to, to box him out and, and use his physicality a la Kelsey or you know, Gronkowski, but maybe not to that level. Um, we'll see. But it, he's got that type of versatility. Good enough blocker to cut off the backside and play in line. Um, and a great, just a great young man. I think he's, again, he's, he's, his stock's gone up because people get a chance to see the physical tools. Um, it's not all there on tape, but I, I think he's one of those guys that his best football is ahead of him. And, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that you can get later in the draft, potentially. Uh, and get a lot of value out of um, because of all the things that he can do. I got another intriguing guy, uh, Pat. Again, Pat Bostic, uh, Pitt Radio Analyst, joining us on the program. Damari Mathis, who I see as a slot corner uh, in this league, uh, 5'11", listing him at, at 200 pounds, but intriguing, 4'39 speed. And, you know, when I, I saw what NFL Network did they when they covered the pro day, he had a ridiculous vertical and a broad jump, and his athleticism may, in fact, help overcome some of the length issues. Um, 
did have a shoulder injury. Did cost him some significant time back in the 2020. But Pat, where do you where do you see him lying here? Because I th- I think he's intriguing. Yeah, you know I would agree. I think he, a, a slot corner would make sense. I, I think he could play outside. The speed's there. The hips are there. Um, he he he's great in combat situations. The thing about any of these pit corners that you're going to get is a guy that's accustomed to playing press, you know, bump one on one. That's the style of defense they play. And and obviously with the hash marks in the National Football League, there's really nowhere to hide for a corner. Um, especially, you know, if you play inside, some of the receivers that are inside these days, if you, if you have the ability to be physical, play the run when needed, which Damari is very good at. Um, you know, he's got that experience of, um, of playing that style of football. He's a freak athlete. He's, he's, um, but you, you look at Jason Pennock, who's with the Jets, Dane Jackson with the Bills, Avante Maddox has played a long time with the Philadelphia Eagles, all guys that you, you throw on the tape and just because of the nature of how they play, press bump, you know, one-on-one, there's going to be times when they get beat, but more times than not, they're in a phase, they're making plays, they're making it very difficult on receivers and throwing timing off. And I think that that gives any pit corner a leg up where you, you comp that athleticism, you combine that in there. Um, you know, again, I, I think that's another guy that you can get a lot of value out of who's going to play a very long time. I, I want to add, too, uh, no question about his toughness, but the other thing I want to ask you about is maturity because he's been around the program for five seasons. He had that injury. Um, does that also give him maybe a little bit more of a leg up on some other guys who you might consider in a day three selection? I think so. I, I, yeah, I would. I think that's a good point. I think you know, maturity not only you know having been around the program for a long time, but played the type of defense he played. This isn't a you know butt to the sideline cover three corner that keeps things underneath of him and makes tackles at the catch. This is a guy that's used to playing in trail, that's gotten beat and gotten right back off the mat and made plays. And I think that's a that's an un, you know unquantifiable uh, characteristic that. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that are astute will find it in a corner like Damari that some may miss when, when the pundits are putting together their boards. Hey, Pat, so, um, you know, every time this year, that obviously there's guys that come out of schools that are ranked and going to go in the draft. Um, you being around the team, are there some seniors or juniors in this class that you seem to think that are being a little bit uh, overlooked by some of the scouts and, you know, maybe not invited to the combine that might have a chance to, you know, maybe a late rounder or somebody that you feel like deserves to be drafted that may not be? Yeah, speaking specifically on the Stitt team, I think you mentioned Lucas Kroll. You know, he's a guy that, that didn't get the invite to the Combine and, and but, but showed out on Pro Day and mm-hmm. has worked extremely hard. You know, Cal Adamitis, the long snapper. You know this, you Jay, go. more than anybody. But, I mean, that's a, that's a guy that's, you know, he's, he's another guy that's played five seasons. He's an unbelievable kid. Uh, excellent tackler covering punts. He's made a lot of plays. And, you know, any franchise that gets him is going to get a leader. Uh, from a position that I would say it's kind of hard to be a leader from, but he became one, became a captain mm-hmm. um, at Pitt. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that, you know, again, I think when you're looking for a position that, that has, you know, a lot of unseen value and, and they're doing their best job when no one knows about him. Sure. Um, he's a guy that I think is, uh, is, is very capable. Um, you know, there, there's John Patrician is, a, is an outside linebacker that's had a circuitous career, a couple injuries, but played, Really good, and could find his way into a special teams unit in a blink of an eye, uh, as a you know, as an undrafted free agent. You know, I think you know Pitt had the, the benefit of winning a championship last year and, and had a terrific year. And I think uh, you know you get kids that come from that kind of culture that you know, those are the kind of guys you want to get in camp and see what they got. So I think you know this year more than any, um, those guys are going to get a shot. And uh, I think you know any franchise that picks them up is going to be surprised at, at what they bring to the table from a character standpoint, not only um, in addition to their skill. That is Pitt Radio Analyst Pat Bostick. Pat, thank you so much for your time and your input. It's been fun talking to you. We wish you the best down the road. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate you having me, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. You know, Jeff, I'm disappointed. After everything you just heard about Mathis, the corner, I was figuring for sure you would ask him about being a special teams demon because those are exactly the kind of guys who you love to be covering kicks, aren't they? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, there's just so many of them, Paul. I mean, and, and again, we, we I know it's a broken record, but we mention this all the time once the roster's even 
set for training camp. And we go down the roster and we always say to each other, all right, so this guy, you know, he was pretty good in college, but he's going to have to play special teams. This guy's just mm-hmm. going to have to play special teams. I, I think that, you know, it's almost, I think it's required reading when these guys come into whatever teams they're worth to understand that you are required to learn that special teams playbook because that is how you're going to make the team. And a lot of these guys just don't understand that. And we say this every single year, but yeah, a lot of these cornerbacks, okay, some of those taller receivers, um, you know, you look at you. Uh, some Cam Brown is a guy that runs down on kick on punts. Sure, uh, you know, so the, it, you find a spot, and um, you know, and it's all about coaching too. Sometimes is like, who in the world would have thought that Cam Brown could be run down as a gunner on the on the punt team? You know, I mean, it just happens. So a lot of these guys have to find their spots on that. That's um, why every kid who comes in to a program as a low choice or an undrafted rookie free yeah, agent. Better they better it. volunteer. Yeah. I, I, I would say to any one of those guys, volunteer. Yeah. Say, what can I do, coach? Can I play specials? Can I do this? Can yeah. I do that? Yeah. Always ask what you can do because that will that will help your situation out a lot. Yeah. Jeff, we're out of time. Right. We want to thank Pat Bostick from the Pitt Radio Crew, Scott Peterson from the Northern Iowa Radio Crew, and Ryan Harklow from the Iowa State Radio Crew for joining us to preview some NFL draft prospects. Uh, thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcasts. For Jeff Fegels, I'm Paul Dottino. Take care, everybody.